Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Speak of the Devil with me, Josh Tavillier. My guest today is a YouTuber and a podcaster. He's one-fourth of the Four Pillars Network. He's one-half of As Always Entertainment. He goes by the name Tynamite on YouTube. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Tyler. Hey, Tyler, what's up? Hello, everybody. Yeah, good. Yeah, not too much, man. Um, that was a great intro. I feel like I've accomplished things in my life well, now, so that's very nice. I consider you a pretty big guest. Uh, I don't know if you remember, but I was on what's now the Clubhouse podcast back in like 2017, and you guys have just ramped it up year after year. So it's like, for me, it's a big deal having you on, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, that. I mean that's very humbling. I, I appreciate that. I... Um, I'm an idiot, so I, I sort of just am happy to be a part of it, and I know you've been a supporter of, of mine, and as always, in the Four Pillars for a long time, and yeah, I do remember you coming on Clubhouse, uh, so of course, uh, when, when you uh, asked if I wanted to come on the podcast, I'm a podcaster, it's what I do as much as I've been doing nothing else with my time in the last couple of weeks than record podcasts, I'm more than happy to continue to do so, this is my passion, I love doing this, so I'm happy to be Well, here. I really appreciate it, and I'm happy to support people who I think put out quality content, and who deserve a little bit more recognition uh but i know you've been busy with 2021 as always relaunch and newly announced the four pillars network so that must feel like a huge weight off your shoulders to finally be able to talk about that and at least get one episode out there yeah it's it really is it's uh it's a special moment. I, I, I consider yesterday, when the at the time of recording this yesterday, was the launch of the Four Pillars Network. That was a, a culmination of a lot of years of work, and it was um, just probably the biggest day of my YouTube career so far when I look back. Obviously, the day itself, like the launch was super successful. The community's been buzzing. Uh, the show was great. There's a lot to be happy about. Uh, there's more that I want out of it, and I, I don't necessarily think... Um, Yes, they may have been the biggest day if I look back at it the day after, but I think in a year from now, two years from now, that'll be a big, big day uh, because I, I have high hopes uh, and goals for that channel and the community overall, and it's something I have wanted for a long time. I just didn't expect it to happen so soon. So, yeah, it, it, it is a weight off my shoulders as much as it's also um, a weight on my shoulders because it's a big commitment. I already have, as always, entertainment. I have my channel that I'm very committed to, and I've been working really hard on, and to have organized in a month, pretty much, uh, a new network with three of my friends, uh, with a whole new show, new branding, new everything, plus recruiting four other content creators and new original programming, and have that all ready in one month to launch, while I moved twice, well, three times in some ways, uh, it's been a crazy January, and I'm just ready to settle into my new house and put in the work now so um it's very exciting well and it's crazy too because i checked uh just before we started this podcast and four pillars network is at 1.8 thousand subscribers on youtube already yeah and it's less than 12 hours so i think yeah it's 11 hours ago we launched the trailer for it um and revealed it that's pretty cool i think my I think I might have had the highest expectations of everyone. So I, I look at that number and I'm like, that's really cool, but I want more than that. Uh, and I, and I, I'd like to think within, if we do it right, within the end of the week, I want five to 10,000 subscribers on that I think, channel. I think that's easily like, achievable. So, yeah, that's the, my, my vision for it's different. And I realize maybe there's some things jumping in the way of it because uh, it, let's, for example, if we were to have released a four pillars of Sasuke Valhalla spoiler cast in December, 
um, when Valhalla was white hot on YouTube, uh, that would have been a 50,000 view podcast easily, uh, just on YouTube, let alone on podcast services. Like our biggest show of all time and as always is, you know, two thirty thousand view podcasts. And that's just from when Valhalla was revealed, let alone uh, the four pillars, you know, talking about the full game. Uh, where so that was sort of my expectation for this show is like I expect fifty thousand views on this show because it's also a new podcast. It's the Four Pillars podcast. Our brand is known by a lot of people, uh, but at the same time, it's on a brand new channel. Right. So right. It, it's hard to have that expectation when if James had released on his channel, people are just going to see it naturally, even if they don't know the brand Four Pillars or as always, they're just going to see Valhalla Spoilercast and jump on it. Whereas it's a bit more difficult now. So we'll see how it goes, but I still have the hopes that uh, it'll sort of pick up traction. You know, our audience will pick it up first and then that'll sort of push it up the algorithm and then people that know us will sort of click and be like, oh, I know these guys and, and, and watch it and, and join us on, on uh, this journey for the network. Well, it's sort of like a long-term commitment to anytime you rebrand. and It's not really a rebrand, but it's kind of directing people to a new uh, channel, basically. Uh, it's going to yeah. take some time to get those people over there, but I think it'll pay off. I mean, Ethan, you, James, uh, why am I blanking on George? George. George. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you guys can easily pull in what you're saying your goal is, right? And then with uh, uh, Sheps, what's his name? Why am I? Yeah, we've got Sheps, Eddie. Uh, from conversations, then we've got Jack and Joe that are Walshy and founded Scarab that are doing their past cast. Um, yeah, with all those guys, you're right. It's it's. It, I don't think I have I have high expectations, but I don't think they're unrealistic either. So yeah. I am really um, hopeful, but I I also know it doesn't matter at the end of the day what we launch with because I know the work we're going to put in and I know the content. Like the, so, the first two days we've got the Four Pillars podcast was the launch day plus the trailer, uh, and then by on Tuesday the next day we have the next show, the new original exclusive podcast, the Streamcast that I was the first guest on. It was a great show, and and Eddie and Sheps are amazing podcasters. They are just. Those two guys are pure entertainment. I fucking love listening to them and watching them. To have them as my friends is amazing. And the fact that they think we're doing them a favor, I, I always makes you laugh. Because, yeah, maybe like in terms of our audience, of course, we've got that big audience. So they're like, oh, thank you for the opportunity. But I'm like, you guys don't understand what I, I think so highly of them. I never tell them that because I, I just like to bust their balls most of the time. But... I genuinely think so highly of them as creators and I want to see them succeed. So I'll do anything I can for those guys. And Joe and Jack uh, have so much potential. They're already so committed to this. They have so much knowledge. They're smart young men, which I love to see. And they've both got their own unique charisma and own chemistry together. The thing is they are still new. So I wouldn't like, and this is just pure honesty, like... I think they're going to become some of the best content creators in the next five years, for sure. I, I don't... I think when I see giving them the opportunity now, I don't know if they're maybe already the standard level as like an Eddie and a Shep who have been doing this forever. It's just natural. It's just natural. But I know they're going to get there. So, you know, when we were talking and organizing who's going to be in this program, I wanted Jack and Joe because I'm like, they're not there yet. But I know they're going to, and I want to be a part of their journey. So I want them a part of the network. And all the boys, you know, agreed that we want them on this journey with us because they're going to be huge. Right, of course. They're going to be huge, and I know yeah, that. Yeah, the more they do it, the more comfortable they'll be, the better they'll be at it. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, just ask fucking Jack. Can't get it. Can't get his camera to work and his and his uploading audio files. Like, it's just it's just like funny things like that. It's like, well, of course he, he's new to it. Like, it's so such a new thing to to be organizing these podcasts and how you're going to structure them and making them look super slick and professional. You know, I've been doing podcasts. The first, as always, podcast with Kill Connor Club. That was almost seven years ago. Yeah, I was. So I've been doing podcasts for a very long time. Well, I was going to ask you about some of your early days, like starting out on YouTube, right? I looked it up. Your first video, May 21st, 2012, you went by AC3 follower, yep. right? Yeah. So at the time, were you only planning to cover Assassin's Creed related news or did you know that you would eventually branch out and talk about other things? I, d- I definitely didn't know anything at the time. Uh, I was in high school. I think I was in my senior year of high school. Uh, at the time, and I was gonna. I knew I was gonna go to university and study film and TV. And I was. I had a film and TV class at my high school, which was great. So I learnt, you know, on some editing softwares. Like I was using Final Cut Pro, and I was like, I need to get like more time in Final Cut Pro. I need to actually practice my editing. I, I wanted to get like as good as I could at what I could before I went to uni because I wanted to be ahead. So, like, I bought all this, like, you know, a new iMac and Final Cut Pro and all this gear, like a Blue Yeti mic. Oh, not even Blue Yeti mic. That was probably six months later into doing YouTube. But, like, I just got all this gear. And then I'm like, oh, I want to do videos. What can I do videos on? And at the time, the only thing I was watching on YouTube was, like, Assassin's Creed YouTubers, like, Luma, Shemney36, and Squiddish. Like, those were the people that I was watching them play, like, Assassin's Creed Brotherhood. Uh, or Assassin's Creed Revelations multiplayer, and I was obsessively playing the multiplayer. I was obsessively playing Assassin's Creed during that Ezio trilogy time, and uh, I thought, look, I'm just going to do videos on what I know, and it was solely to practice editing. I never actually thought, and the reason I was called AC3 followers is because I never actually thought I'd do videos for a long time, and I actually didn't expect to do videos past Assassin's Creed 3. I just thought, this will be it. I'll do some updates, practice some editing, and then I'll go to uni and I'll, you know, forget about this channel. Gotcha. So then at what point did you decide to start a podcast? And you mentioned Loomer. Loomer was one of the biggest Assassin's Creed YouTubers back in the day. Uh, But why did you reach out to James specifically? Well, I I actually didn't reach out to James. Uh, It's a funny story. So the first time I did a podcast with James was in 2014, which... I felt like I've been doing YouTube a long time at that point, but it had been only two years. Whereas I've been doing YouTube for almost 10 years now, and but the vast majority of that time I've been working with James, and he's been my business partner and one of my best friends. So that's funny to look back at that he really is the biggest part. He's 100% the biggest part of my YouTube career uh, and podcast career. But the first two years I did videos... I just sort of thought, I guess, wow, I got 100 subscribers. That's way more than I thought I'd get. I'll keep doing some videos after AC3. Um, I'll become an AC follower, and I'll just keep doing videos because it was fun. And there was a guy called Relentless HD who ran another, like, Assassin's Creed channel. And when I, like, second video in, he'd, like, message me, and he's like, oh, good channel, and he had, like, 100 subs. I was like, wow, someone that actually has subscribers noticed me. That's cool. Um, so I would watch his videos. He was a nice, a really nice dude, Irish, I think, uh, Irish guy. But he watched James's channel too. Um, there was like Game of Vids and then Lasers. So whenever I'd watch like the Lens HD, he'd always do these like shout out videos, where he's like, "Oh, I just want to like give an update and give a shout out to um, you know these YouTubers, uh, AC3 follower, 
uh, Game and Sheep, uh, you know, Lasers, and I didn't know these guys, but him saying these names, I sort of was like, oh, who are these people? So I remember seeing James's channel in like 2013 and being like, oh, well, he does similar videos to me, but I didn't think much of it. Uh, and then he sort of heard of me through the same exact way, through this mutual contact. And then one day he goes to me, um, let's do, we should do like a video together. Do you want to come on my channel and do a live stream? Uh, so I went on James's channel, so did this other guy, Joe, aka The Gaming Sheep. So the three of us had similar sized channels and did similar videos on Assassin's Creed. We did this, What it was a podcast, right? Like it definitely was a podcast. We call it episode zero of the As Always right, podcast right. or Kill Connor Club podcast. Uh, but it was just a live stream of us doing a Q&A with fans talking about Assassin's Creed. It was the first time I'd been on a live stream. It was the first time I'd actually ever talked to another content creator since doing YouTube. Uh, and it was like the coolest thing I've ever done at the time. Like I was like, this is the best thing ever. I had so much fun. I was buzzing the next day. And I got so many views and people loved it. I was like, this is incredible. I didn't know I could do this. Uh, and it rejuvenated my love because I really just had little reason to keep doing YouTube at that time and I really was just sort of hanging on by a thread and that kept me going and I just had such chemistry with James noticeably like Joe was great but he, he wasn't who I connected with and I realized that James and I stood out together as two guys that had great chemistry so we did like a unity cult video at the end of uh, at the end of that year in 2014 and then we did like the proper kill Connor club podcast as always podcast sort of launch at the beginning of 2015 uh, with Joe, and then we did, I think, about 12 episodes in 2015, and by the end of the year, it was a bi-weekly show, we had a couple of guests, Joe had sort of moved on, and it was just James and I, we had some artwork, so it took, all of 2015 was like the establishing year, and by 2016, from the from January to December, that whole year was like a 26-episode bi-weekly Kill Connor Club podcast, and it was established, so that was like when it was set, so it's been like a set, established, running show every second week, non-stop, for the past five plus years, um, but it's almost been seven years since we did that first show together. So it just sort of happened by accident. It just happened by accident. And I loved doing it and I knew I had chemistry with James and I saw potential and I sort of just forced it upon him to do a podcast with me, if I'm honest. Right. Well, it blew my mind because I was, uh, I remember being in 2015, 2016, I was in my uh, training phase in the Navy and I yeah. had. Uh, I worked nights, so I would just have a lot of time during the day to myself, and I would play, like, Halo or whatever, and I would just listen to YouTube videos while I played, and I found your channel, and I found James's channel, and uh, I thought you guys were both talking very interestingly about Assassin's Creed, um, and then I found out that you guys had a podcast together, and that blew my mind, and since then, I've been hooked. Yeah, you know, right. It was Kill Connor Club back then, but since then... I've been hooked on that podcast, but it must have felt great uh, to finally finish that year doing like 26 episodes. Uh, can you just explain or talk about how accomplished you must have felt at the end of that first year? Yeah, it, it was it was an interesting one um, because you, you don't know what's going to happen that early on. You know, you don't know. I remember thinking, I'm like, oh, one day the show's going to end. Like, one day, I, you know, I'll get a real job, and one day James will have his own, or do his own thing, or maybe we won't be friends. Like, early on, you, you still, it's a new friendship. I've never met him in person. He lives on the other side of the world. Like, you just don't know. So, I was just, we were both just enjoying it at the time for what it was. I don't think we really appreciated how we were committed to running every second week. It just sort of 
we said we we're gonna do it and I and I guess it just sort of happened so yeah I mean I felt accomplished but I think it was just so much fun that we didn't really think about it in that way it was just oh well, of course we we're gonna be doing a podcast every every second week because it's fun and we had some really cool guests that year too that we never had um like at we had one of the community developers from Ubisoft on we had um and made friends with a guy um who had a channel called The Creed that he launched that year, Nick, he's a good friend of ours now. Uh, I think we had Brett on, or he might have been on 2017 for his first, I don't remember, but like, you know, we had a lot of guests and we were trying new things out. Um, James and I have both like this separate Patreon page and one of our rewards is like, you'll come on Kill Connor Club if you pledge $20. So we had like one guy that did that and he did it on both of our patrons, so he came on twice and it was just like, there was all these weird moments. Um, so it was more of just ironing out the kinks almost in 2016 because I knew it was still not perfect and I realized in 2016 you know it was because we were committed and the, the longer we did it I was like this is working I think we can do more what can we do that you know makes it worth our time how can we like financially make this good we did the, and we had those separate patrons I said to James why don't we and this is probably like mid 2016 I suggested this I said why don't we next year have like a patreon and then we do like it's like at the time like it wasn't going to be its own show it's just like kill Connor club every other week but the other week it's like exclusive or something and that's how we have patreon guests on and let's do something like that so that was like the early stages before we launched as always like as always didn't exist until 2017 um with the launch so that was 2016 was just a year like because we were committed and because we realized this probably was going to be ongoing I don't think it was a sense of accomplishment as much. It was more a sense of this. We've got to figure out better ways of doing this because you we weren't doing it the best. Yet. Right. And I was going to ask if at any point the podcast kind of felt like a burden, maybe when you went from doing bi biweekly podcasts to uh, adding in that clubhouse podcast. So making it a weekly thing. Um, but you're saying it, it felt necessary to do that. It definitely felt necessary at the time, and as looking like I mean now it's it's easy now it's so easy. I'm, I've done five podcasts the last seven days, right. so like uh, this is what I do. This is my life. Like it's not it's not a burden um, at all. I mean, some days you've, when you've got other shit going on outside of the podcast, it can be exhausting. But for example, like I've had my first great night's sleep. I'm doing a podcast right now. I'm excited. I'm loving. I'm very happy to be here. Whereas I think like the last couple of days I was, I'd worked all day on the weekends and then I was like up late until two in the morning doing podcast. So I think as much as I was loving it, by the time you get three hours into a show, I'm like, all right, let's wrap this shit up. Cause I'm wrecked. Like, but you know, ultimately where I want to be, I don't want to be work every day. I want to be doing podcasts every right. day. Like this is the job. I have two jobs and this is the, my favorite job. This is my passion. So, um, at the time, it, it felt necessary, but it also was a burden in the sense of when we actually started doing it. Because it went from doing it bi-weekly to doing it weekly, and it actually was really draining for a while. But it, what it was is almost getting used to it, getting in the rhythm of it. And it probably took six months before it wasn't a burden. Because we ended up launching, uh, you know, two years later, we ended up launching a third podcast in Cinema Room. And it was the same where it was like, that felt like a burden the first six months. And he was like, holy shit, all we're doing is podcasts. But then the second half of 2018, 2019, whenever we launched it, it didn't feel like a burden anymore. It felt like, oh, we do three podcasts every two weeks. That's normal. So it's sort of, it, it, it all becomes a rhythm. But certainly it starts off as like, wow, this is a lot of extra work. And it was. But 
it doesn't feel like it, especially with how financially viable, as always, is for us now. Clubhouse is absolutely not a burden. It's it's necessary. We 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 put in that work early on where we made little to nothing for the first year, to now where it's like we we make more a month than we did in it the first year. Yeah, you know that. Obviously, yeah, obviously it's paid off. I mean, every year watching the growth on Patreon is crazy, right? And you've now stepped away from your job you're not working full-time anymore you're just working part-time and the podcast and four pillars network that's your main focus nowadays but i just wanted to ask you what what did you do or what do you do part-time still uh i i i'm not gonna answer that just because i work for uh it's more because i don't really want people coming to my work okay is the main reason. So I don't really like, I'm a pretty private person. Like most people don't know, like I'm happy to tell everyone on podcasts about me, if that makes sense. But I don't talk about my parents. I don't talk about my like girlfriend and my personal life. Like I don't talk about that stuff. And I, cause I think I like to keep that world separate. Like my girlfriend doesn't understand, like she knows what I do, but she, and she appreciates it, but she doesn't know anything about video games. And she watched a stream once. She's like, I'm really proud of you, but I don't understand any word you're saying. So, like, it's... I live a separate, like, private life, and I like to keep it that way. Um, and especially with my job that I did, it's an international company that lots of people would know. So it would be very easy to... Um, if I said, you know, what I did, people could come in. People have seen me at work. Like, I've had people message me and say, oh, I saw you... Um, here, I was going to say hi, but like I wasn't sure if I should, blah, blah, blah. So, it, um, you know, if people, I guess people know, but uh, well, I sort of keep it. It's, no, I've yeah. been safe. No worries, no worries, no worries. Um, but yeah, I respect that, keeping the work life and then your, your separate podcast life, or I guess your personal life and your work life separate. Uh, I feel like that's kind of how, what I'm doing with this podcast. Uh, like, it's so different than being in the Navy. And it's kind of a, a respite for me to do this. And I've only just started. But, um, yeah, no worries. You don't, we don't have to talk about what you do outside of the podcast yeah, and, and well, YouTube and stuff like no, that. No, it's, it's it, yeah, it's all good, man. It's, it's more of just like, um, I always liked, well, you've got to understand this. It's easy to be too involved in doing online content creation. As in, it's very easy to care about everything you're doing as in if i do a podcast so four pillars podcast just released yesterday there are a lot of comments hating on me there are a lot of people angry and but like i read some of them and and it's it could easily affect me it could very easily affect me like people being happy that you're upset or people being happy that someone told you to shut up was one of the comments like even though that's not what even happened there fucking retarded right uh, r worded sorry um but uh, uh <laughs> um but it could be easy for me to get upset at things. And I, that, that's a regular occurrence. It's also why I keep it separate with my family and my partner because I know they're not me and I'm a very easygoing guy and I have very thick skin. I don't take things seriously. Uh, I could care less what someone thinks of me. I've always been that way. So. Yeah, and I, and but I don't want to involve like my girlfriend and all of a sudden people are commenting things to her or messaging her and it, about me. She's, she's not going to get upset if someone said something nasty to her, but she, trust me, she would get upset if someone was saying something nasty about me to her. She would hate that. So it's, 
it's that sort of thing. Not that I get a lot of hate, I really don't, but it, it definitely comes in waves when things happen, so that's yeah, a big part of keeping it private. On, it's also my own mental state. Yeah, you've been on YouTube and uh, creating content for eight and a half years or so. You can take mm. criticism better than someone who maybe just knows you, maybe sees it, or is wrapped up, or uh, not wrapped up, but kind of uh, grouped together with you. Do you know what yeah. I mean? So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, no, I get it. Yeah, it's 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 exactly right. And it's it could affect me too. It easily could affect me too. It's just that I don't stay in it. Like, I'll sit down at my desk and I will make a video. I will record a podcast right now. I will then make, you know, after we record this podcast, I'm going to make a thumbnail. I'm going to edit a video and I'm going to do a couple of, um, you know, little housekeeping things for the network as always and my channel. And then I'm going to turn off my computer and I'm going to go live my life. I don't stay in the work. I don't keep my mind thinking, you know, I will think about, oh, what video I'm going to make next, what content I'm going to make next. My brain's always working in that way, but I don't think about, let's check the views, let's check the comments, let's see what people are saying. I don't think like that. I And I also need that break. So... If, whereas if my life was this and all I did was this and I didn't have my outside hobbies, I didn't have my even part-time job. I, there's a part of me that's like wants to keep working part-time always anyway, even if I didn't need to, just because it's almost an escape and it keeps my brain and keeps me in a world where I'm like, look, this isn't my life. It's not everything. Uh, so you don't need to uh, hang your hat on what someone says to you on a video or if one video doesn't go well, hang your hat on everyone hates you now or everyone, you know, thinks you're an idiot now. Right. I mean, it just breaks up. So the it's, it's just part of that. It really does. It really does. And it, and it just keeps, keeps life interesting. And I like working with people in person a lot. So, um, th- there's a lot of benefits to work about time. I've found a great balance now that I'm really enjoying. Now, obviously I do want to make this my full-time job down the road, but I'm still giving myself another year or two before that's um, a reality and I'm just going to enjoy the process. I'm not, in a, I'm not in a rush necessarily. And you went to university to study film, correct? Yeah. Yeah, I did. It's yeah. film production specifically. Uh, it was more, um, it was a bachelor of communications majoring in media. So it was film, it was TV, it was radio, live broadcast. It was both the theory of it. My minor was cinema study. So it was actually film analysis. Okay. Uh, it was my minor that I did, which was all writing. Uh, so it was a lot of writing, plus half of it was writing and half of it was actual production. Uh, whether it be from film, uh, you know, uh, they, through uni, I was working at a radio station, a, com- a com- um, what you, community radio, do- hosting shows and stuff. So, you know, I, I did a lot. I even hosted live-to-air stuff. We did TV stuff. So um, there was a lot of things they're involved in. That's why I did it. So it wasn't necessarily just film production. That's my whole university degree is just focusing on one thing. Uh, the reason I picked that degree was because I wanted to learn as much as I could. And I know you've produced music videos for David Jerome, right? Shout out to David Jerome. Yeah. Um, Shout out. Yeah. But uh, I was just wondering, are there any plans to incorporate some sort of uh, film or, or some video based show that isn't just a video podcast to four pillars network in the future? Uh, I wouldn't say show, as in, like, ongoing, just purely because, well, I wouldn't say, it wouldn't be a regular show, right? Like, so, I've talked about uh, moving to the UK down the road, which, you know, it m- might happen. It probably won't happen the way I thought it would, just based on 
how my sort of family and life is at the moment. But I, my goal is starting probably next year. Well, at least when sort of, you know, we, the pandemic ends, um, whenever that is, or at least is is down enough that, you know, the vaccines ha- helped and we can get back to some international traveling. Um, to spend like a month in the UK every year. Um, that way I can still live at home because I, as in like in my hometown, because I love Brisbane. I love Australia. I, if anyone knows me, you know, you know how passionate I am about my country and my state um, and my family's here, my partner's here. Like, so I don't really want to leave, but spend a month a year doing a business trip to make stuff. We did, you might have uh, seen the Four Pillars Assemble trailer, like the Marvel parody trailer that we did. There was sort of like a short yeah. uh, skit video. Uh, I've got a lot of ideas and have for years. I'd love to do like a Four Pillars skit show. As in, like, we we do, like, little shorts and stuff together, um, including I want to do more of those Marvel parody trailers as well. I've got ideas for, like, a solo Dynamite film one. I've got ideas for the other Four Pillars ones down the road with the other guys and even individual ones for each of the Four Pillars. Plus, I'd love to um, do, like, other, like, comedic skits with the boys. So I think... In that sort of live action sense, yes, I definitely would say it down the road, but because it'd be like I go over there once a month or once a year for a month to film those, it would more be like short season runs each year, if that makes sense. Like we, I might go over there, we film five of them. Right. So every year, maybe there's like five of them and they're, they're over five weeks. So that's like season one. And then the next year we'll do season two because whenever I'm over there is when we can film them. So potentially it'd be things like that. Uh, otherwise, I'd love to do more live action stuff with myself and David, um, whether it involved music or just our own skits, but that would be on my channel, not necessarily the Four Pillars Network, but it might be on the network and we can connect them if people, you know, like that. So who knows? But live action film stuff or short film stuff, I am definitely, uh, that's definitely a big goal of mine. I don't know if this year's the year for a lot of it. I'd like to do at least one or two things this year. The one I've had a script for since I was in high school and I've wanted to do it. The others, um, maybe that Tynamite solo film trailer. Uh, I've already bought the costume for it and organized everything. I was going to film it last year, but th- some things got in the way of that. But uh, yeah, I think there might be like one or two things this year uh, to just give a sample of what I'd like to do down the road more regularly. Uh, so yeah, I definitely think there would be something. Gotcha. Um, for the uh, Four Pillars Assemble, that's... That was when you guys invited people to travel to the UK and hang out with everybody, correct? That was yeah, that same so it was same the time four frame. Pillars meet yeah, up. yeah, I, yeah. It was in August of 2019. Yeah, yeah. I remember, I remember. It was on a Saturday, I think the meetup was, and uh, yeah, I was going underway on Monday. And we were leaving, I think, for like six weeks, and I I seriously contemplated buying a plane ticket on Friday hanging out and then trying to make it back Monday in time for the underway. But I was like, I probably couldn't pull that off. That'd be very risky. Yeah. But for sure, oh, for sure. Gosh. Next time, if you guys decide to do one, I'll be there. But, um, yeah, no, that's awesome. That's awesome. But one thing I wanted to it say was, about um, you, the meetup was so, yeah, go, well, on, for, go on. Sorry to interrupt. No, you're good. But for me, you're one of the most relatable members of four pillars. And I don't mean to keep grouping you together with those guys, but um, no, they're my boys. They're my that's my team. So I I more I'll never be upset about being you know grouped together with them. They're, that's my team, is what far as I'm concerned. Yeah, but you as an individual, I relate to you a lot more than say like I relate to James. I've never been kind of a uh, I've never been like a, a heavy duty gamer like James is, or, or 
had a heavy YouTube presence. I'm not really like too involved with discord and all that stuff, but, uh, you talking about sports and MMA and stuff like that. I, I do feel like you're kind of the blue collar member of that group that I can relate to. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I guess I am. I guess that's a funny way to put it. I guess I am probably the blue collar member of the four pillars. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I'm an average guy. I'm definitely just an average guy. So just shifting topics just a little bit before we wrap this up, I wanted to ask you, did you watch Poirier McGregor 2? I sure as fuck did. All right, <laughs> I sure as fuck did. Dustin Poirier, I don't know if you know, yeah, he's my no. boy. No, we're from the same hometown. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Lafayette. Yeah, La- oh, Lafayette. Right. Yeah, trained it. I trained yeah. at that same gym he trained at when he was in the WEC, and I thought he was a, a superstar back then. So it's crazy now. Yeah. Dude, that fight, when he knocked out Connor, I jumped off the couch and I almost cried. It hit, it yeah. hit me in my soul. Wow. But I want to ask you, Yeah. how do you feel about the future of the lightweight division and who do you think should fight who? Uh, make yeah. some matchups for me. Okay. Well, I, I will just say this. I have been a fan of Dustin Poirier since the first Connor fight. Um, so obviously I'm a big Connor fan. I, well, I was like back then I was all on Connor when he, um, knocked out Poirier the first time was when I was like really becoming a hardcore MMA fan. I'm like, who the fuck? This guy's amazing. Watching Connor's rise and journey was the coolest thing I've ever seen in sports, to be honest, to be a part of, was to witness that rise. Um, But then I was like, but I'd always then watched uh, Connor's opponents and what what they did next. And most of them fall off, man. There's only, the only one, well, you could say Max Holloway, but that was so early, you know, it was just natural for him to keep going if he was going to be that good. Dustin Poirier was there during, like, Connor was, like, white hot, popular, everyone's watching him, and he, you know, got knocked out in the first round in the biggest fight of his career on a pay-per-view. Whenever that happened to Chad Mendes, to Jose Aldo, to, you know, Eddie Alvarez, a lot of these guys, like, they, they've they never been the same or never gotten, you know, the spotlight back. What I loved about Dustin and why I became such a fan of him was because the way he came back... And I would watch every Dustin fight. I'm like, man. And then I got to know, like, I learned more about him. I'm like, this guy is fucking awesome. So I've been like, Dustin, I've always rooted for Dustin whenever he's fought anyone but besides Connor. Uh, or actually, the Dan Hooker fight, I was sort of 50 50 because well, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm I, half I, Kiwi. Yeah, I can understand you know? that one. You got to understand. But I was still like, I was super happy Dustin won. Like, it was really conflicting because I'm like, I'm always going to root for Dan Hooker, but I'm not going to be upset if Dustin wins because I love Dustin and he's such a great guy. But I was rooting for him against Max. Like, when he won the belt, I almost cried because I'm like, I just know how hard he's worked for this. His girl, like, has been there with him since he was 19, driving him to all these, like, backyard shows. Like, I'm such a fan of Dustin Poirier. Uh, but then with the Connor fight, I'm like, look, I'm not going to be upset if Dustin wins, but I'm rooting for Connor. And I and when Connor's winning, it always makes MMA exciting to me. But I was so happy for Dustin Poirier. Yeah. Like, when I saw it, I was just blown away by the game plan, like, and the performance. Like, and, and anyone saying, like, Connor looked bad, like, Connor looked good. Like, you can't take it away. Now, granted, he hasn't been in the Octagon a lot, and Dustin has. That's got to play into it. But other than that, Connor was in shape. Connor looked good. Maybe, like, argue the same change all you want. But Connor was winning that first round, but it was almost because that's what Dustin wanted. That fight went the way, for the most part, Dustin wanted it to go. Connor's timing was great. Connor's clinch work was great. But what Dustin did was tire him out. The leg, and he and he was patient. He's like, look, I'm going to lose the first round. I'm going to get hit a lot because I'm going to... But 
because from range, I, I'm not the I'm not going to beat Connor, uh, and there's no way I'm going to get him into my position that I want when he's fresh. There's no way Dustin's going to be able to get him against the fence and and get in close with that dirty boxing. You know, well, I agree. 100%. When Connor's fresh, Connor's too elusive. Connor's too elusive. So the game plan was chop his legs until he can't move anymore, and that's exactly what he did. And he did, and that takedown was genius in the first round because and Connor's like he was like, oh, he got the takedown, but I feel like I did really well to get back up and then won the clinch exchange. I'm like, yeah, you did, hundred percent. But what Dustin did was take away your energy, uh, and when you're most dangerous, and then in that once you're in that second round, which still is usually Connor's round, the leg kicks continued to add up. And then it got to the point where Connor's won against the fence where Dustin wants him, but Connor can't go anywhere. Like, literally, his leg's fucked. He's completely, like, stuck exactly where he is and planted, and Dustin could just go to work and, and do what he did. It was an unbelievable game plan that paid off. Like, Dustin got fucking hurt quite a few times in that, but his toughness got him through, and then eventually the, you know, the get hit twice to give one hit added up enough to, um, you know, get him the win. I'm, I'm incredibly impressed with Dustin Poirier. I always thought he was a great fighter, but he's even better than I thought he was. Well, yeah, and I, t- I see people saying that Connor is washed up, and I, I think that's ludicrous. I mean, Connor in round one, he outstruck Dustin. He uh, outdid him in the clinch, right? He won the first round, and because Connor lost, he couldn't move on that leg. He was tired, right? They're like, he needs to retire. He's not the same. I don't think that's true. I think Dustin is the best active lightweight in the world, and I think Connor is probably two or three. Charles Oliveira would probably beat Connor, but yeah, but, but yeah. Connor's still it's, up. It's, Connor yeah, is still tough. elite in the lightweight division, and uh, I don't, I, I don't think Connor gets enough credit right now, to be honest. Yeah, no, I, I've always thought that. I've always thought that, and and before the Dustin fight, I was like, I was so sure Connor was going to win that fight. I was so confident. Connor's gonna win the fight. I'm like, hey, look, I'm gonna be happy either way, but I just, I just really think Connor's gonna fuck him up bad. That's what I thought because I've just, I'm like, why do people underrate Connor? So what's upset me here is like, I'm like, fuck. Now people are like underrating Connor because they've underrated Dustin too. They're both underrated, and and but it's like, oh, Dustin lost to Khabib. It's like, yeah, but so is fucking literally everyone. Yeah. Khabib's undefeated, one of the greatest of all time. Uh, you know, Dustin's number one right now. Like, I think, I think Dustin would beat Charles Oliveira. I think, uh, I think Dustin. Other than Khabib, I think Dustin would beat every single um, lightweight. I think Gaethje might be the hardest matchup for Dustin, just based on they both have similar styles, and it's like who wins, who's the most tough. But I still think Dustin would win that nine times out of ten. And I think Connor can beat Dustin. He obviously has before. Right. Um, I think you know, but it might be like seven times out of ten Dustin wins. You know what I mean? Like it just depends. On the game plan, it depends on the night. Every night's different, especially at a high level. And would Dustin get caught in one bad position and Connor knocks him out? You know, anything can happen at that high level. So it's never 100% of the time Dustin would win against everyone. But certainly, I think, the you know, Dustin's got the edge on every single lightweight not named Khabib Nurmagomedov. All right, so you're sitting in the room with Dana White and Sean Shelby. Yeah. What matchups you making? Yeah. I am booking... Uh, Dustin Poirier against Charles Oliveira for the lightweight title, for the vacant lightweight title. Uh, I'm booking uh, Justin Gaethje against Michael Chandler because I want to see chaos. Yeah, that's a fantastic matchup. And I'm doing either Conor McGregor versus Tony Ferguson or Conor McGregor versus Nate Diaz 3. Yeah, I think for Conor, I think you go Tony Ferguson, Nate Diaz, Dustin. That's, That's ideal in my book, right? 
If you can get yeah. if you can get Connor winning those two fights, the Nate fight would be huge, and then a title fight against Dustin, the rubber match. Oh my goodness! Yeah, that's the biggest fight well, you can make I, right I th- now if Connor were to get a couple I, wins under him. I I don't think I mean I think him fighting. Here's the thing. Let's be honest with ourselves. Connor needs to win one fight, and they'll give him a title shot. <laughs> so and that's what and that's what will happen. Uh, and I think the smartest matchup is Nate for two big reasons. Nate's not going to knock out Connor because Nate's not known as a power guy. He's a volume guy and and he's not a kicker. So he's not... The only way you're going to take Connor out, I think, is the way Dustin did it in terms of striking is to you've got to take away his legs. You've got to take away his movement. Nate's not going to do that. So Connor's going to be elusive uh, of, and do what he... Because even when Nate got him against the fence and was throwing volume, Connor's so good at, at uh, bouncing shots off the shoulders and he did so well against uh, Dustin at first doing that, but the problem was, like, if you can't eventually move, then you are going to get clipped. But Connor was always able to either move or, um, or you know, clinch up with Nate, whereas Dustin's so good at really... He's, one, way more powerful than Nate, but also, like, move well and keep it guessing and, and be even still a little distance away to avoid the clinch exchange and, and like, Connor grabbing him. So I think... That's a good reason that Connor's not going to get stopped by st- strikes, maybe submission, um, but I think Connor's conditioning's better now than it has been. Just looking at the shape he's in, I think he could um, survive that and really do work in Nate. And it's and he's not going to finish Nate either. So what it's going to do is be a twenty-five round fight and give Connor twenty-five minutes in the octagon and probably win. I also think so. He gets a win. It's interesting against Nate in a trilogy fight that'd be huge money. Plus, he gets octagon time that'll get him ready for a rematch against Dustin, which they would give him straight away. Yeah, and I think what also plays into Connor's advantage against Nate a third time is I think it's harder for Nate to make 155 now than it used to be. So, and obviously the first two fights with Connor and Nate were at 170. So it'd be interesting for Connor to be fighting at his ideal weight class whereas i don't think nate's is 155 anymore i think he's more of a welterweight at this point in his career yeah yeah i I mean i don't mind i think i mean i'd like to see nate drop down i think he can um i'd like to see connor and nate fight at 155 because i've seen it twice a welterweight i just sort of want to see it there to see if it's different if that makes sense to see if the 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 weight in either of them makes a difference yeah well we're gonna wrap up uh i really appreciate you coming on this podcast you know i'm you're my second guest. I'm four episodes in. So thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to come talk about your life, your job, and MMA. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no worries, man. Uh, ha- happy to do it. And um, if you ever you ever want me on again, always happy to do that too. So um, appreciate it. Really happy to be here. Thank you guys for listening to this week's episode of Speak of the Devil. Tyler was a fantastic guest to have on, really talkative, really well-spoken, and just a good down-to-earth guy. If you'd like to support him, you can check out Four Pillars Network, As Always Entertainment, and consider supporting the As Always Entertainment Patreon page. They have different tiers starting at only $1 a month, and it's just a really great community to be a part of. If you enjoyed this episode, leave a review on iTunes and Spotify. It really helps out the show. I've got plans for some great guests in the coming weeks, so stay tuned for that. New episodes will be out every Monday. Until then, I'm Josh DeVillier. Peace.